WSB. WSB. Depend on it. Sean Hannity. New Sean Hannity Show. More behind-the-scenes information on breaking news and more bold, inspired solutions for America. Jamie Dupree comes right at you from the Hill in D.C. On the Sean Hannity Show. All right, the most connected man in Washington, D.C., where a lot is going on is uh, a very Jamie Dupree. Just by the way, just to let you know, we have Jim Sensenbrenner, the author of the Patriot Act, USA Freedom Act, coming up at the bottom of the hour as the Senate continues to debate. Brian Finch, a cybersecurity guy at Pillsbury and much, much more. How are you today? Uh, just fine. In fact, while the t- uh, by the time you get Mr. Sensenbrenner on the air at the bottom of the hour, the Senate should be done voting by then. We've just started the vote in the Senate, the final vote. Uh, to end what's been a somewhat messy last few weeks, frankly, on the issue of NSA surveillance in the Senate. What is going to happen here, Sean? Final approval in just a few minutes for the bill that was already easily approved in the House, known as the USA Freedom Act. Uh, If you follow me on Twitter, you can get the link to the rundown of what's in the bill. Here's a few bullet points, uh, as we've talked about, and as Rand Paul obviously has made a big crusade. This plan would end the NSA's ability to get bulk phone records. The NSA would still be able to get phone records, but they'd have to, uh, those records after six months would have to be in the hands of the major phone companies, and then the NSA would have to go to court, a regular process, to ask to see certain things in a terrorism investigation. This plan would also renew two different surveillance authorities that expired earlier in the week, the roving wiretaps and the lone wolf provision. And there's a number of other things in there, like making the secret intelligence court, the FISA court, requiring them to make public their rulings. Obviously, they'd have to knock some stuff out of them, but to at least let the public know what they are up to and what they are doing, because as of now, it is completely secret. So that vote has just started. It'll probably be done by a little after we're off the air in this segment, but there should be a very strong vote for this bill that would then go right to the president, and the White House says he will sign it swiftly. Where's Rand going to come down on it? He didn't get the changes he wanted. He wanted specific, two specific amendments brought up in this bill, and the first was votes on uh, to require that warrants only be issued to individuals, that evidence collected under the Patriot Act only be used against terrorists, not for domestic prosecution. Yeah, he's. I, I assume he's going to vote against it, along with the, there'll be a number of people that'll be voting no, but I still think this bill might get over 70 votes, maybe even uh, higher than that. We'll have to wait and see. I mean, remember, it was approved on a very strong bipartisan vote in the House of Representatives. You know, the, the, the behind-the-scenes stuff on this is very interesting, not only the back-and-forth between Republicans and Rand Paul, but also, you know, this was somewhat of a rebuke today for the Senate Majority Leader, Mitch McConnell. He did not want this House bill. He's going to vote against it, in fact. He, he wants something strong Uh, sort of more like what we had before the NSA's uh, authority under the Patriot Act or or the authority that they used from the Patriot Act ran out on Sunday. Uh, There were three different amendments brought up this afternoon by the Senate Majority Leader, all of which were rejected, most Democrats voting against them and joined by a number of Republicans. So this was not a, a... This was not the outcome that Mitch McConnell wanted. Uh, Not only did he have to deal with Rand Paul and uh, his uh, tactics on the floor of the Senate, but also uh, McConnell had to watch some of his Republicans vote against him. So he did not gain this outright. It's interesting. Usually he's been pretty good at figuring out where the votes are. But on this one, he did not have the leverage, I think, that he thought he had. And so therefore, uh, in a sense, this is a bit of a defeat for Mitch McConnell as well. All right. Let's let's go to Jim Sensenbrenner when he was last on this program last week. You you actually had some dispute or disagreement with him, but I want to play it for you to, to get the full context of what he said and the questions I asked. Is, is it fair to say that you suspect that every American's phone has been tapped by our government in that sense? It was data mined conversations? Yes. Is it fair to say that you believe that every American 
uh, had electronic information that they thought was confidential intercepted by the government? Yes. I am stunned. And what are they doing with this information? Well, they're storing it in a huge data warehouse that is west of Salt Lake City. And the point that I keep on making is what good has all of this done, aside from being an intrusion of privacy to a scale nobody imagined? There has not been one terrorist strike that has been exposed as a result of the data that has been mined. That's a pretty fascinating statement. What's your reaction to that? He, well, it wouldn't he, shock me one bit to think that we've been uh, data mining just about everything out there and storing it in that giant facility out in Utah. But you see, this now, is where, the, because the Republicans are all going after Rand Paul, and, and I disagree with Rand Paul's comments that hawks in, in the Republican Party and conservatives created ISIS. I thought that was absurd. So I'm not playing politics here, but I think Paul is making a point because Sensenbrenner said to me, the Patriot Act specifically prohibits what we're talking about, data mining. Well, I, I think that, though, see, this there's a there's a much broader thing with the, the battle between sort of the GOP and Rand Paul that really goes back to what we discussed yesterday, and that is the GOP's battle with his dad. And, and, and you know, the, the fight that it was Rick Santorum four years ago or three years ago in 2012 who went after Rand, uh, Ron Paul repeatedly on foreign policy. We've seen Lindsey Graham do it this time along with a number of others, and then Jeb Bush just took a jab at Rand Paul down at an event down in Florida today as well. And I think you're going to see a lot more of that because... Because, yes, while some of them do agree with him on some of these things with the NSA and with government surveillance, they uh, I think that they don't see eye to eye on how to project sort of U.S. authority and power. And so there is a difference there. And it's one thing that, you know, Rand Paul, I'm I'm not going to say that he can't walk this tightrope and be able to draw people from all sides, but it's going to be a difficult time for him. He's going to be somewhat of a lonely person at times in some of these fights over not only how intelligence does its job, but also how defense uh, does things in this fight for the GOP I, nomination. I, I agree with you. I think the bigger issue is that the Hawks and the party created these people, and I just think that that's just not true. And I think he's going to have a bigger issue to deal with there. Let me I mean, ask for you, example, today yeah. in the hallways interviewing uh, Republican senators, I mean, I didn't even have to bring up Rand Paul's name, and people just ripped on him from the Republican side. It's amazing. Senator I, wish Jim they, Inhofe. I wish they'd go after Democrats this way. Well, Senator Jim Inhofe of Oklahoma, he just flat out said, we have one individual, Rand Paul, this is a quote here, who is exploiting this for his own purposes. And people just went off on Paul without, I didn't have to goad them or anything like that. They just went after him. And so... You know, there there are some hard feelings here within the party, and I think those will only be magnified as we go ahead. Do you think it's more related to the ISIS comment, or you think it's more related to the NSA issue? No, I think it's sort of a combination of a lot of things. Uh, they just don't see eye to eye on many things. I mean, yeah. you know, uh, they're, they're, Rand Paul is sort of trying to be, and I don't say this in a negative way, I, he's, he's trying to be sort of a different style of republic. You know, the libertarian leanings. Uh, There's of, no doubt about it. I mean, and, yeah. and he and I have had different different analysis disagreements on the issue, especially related to Iraq and the Iraq war and intelligence. Uh, but I do think he is on to something here. And Sensenbrenner, who wrote the law, the Patriot Act, which I supported, I think he is right to point out that it is being abused in a way that the law specifically prohibits. And to point that out should not draw such ire as it is. And you're seeing it and hearing it every day. Well, I, I think there are some senators who believe that Paul and, and several said this on the floor, on the floor and off the floor. In fact, uh, today, I think it was Dan Coates of Indiana said on the floor. Well, I'm not questioning his motives talking about Rand Paul, but uh, Senator Coates said that some of the things Paul has said were, quote, blatantly false, if I got my notes uh, written down here correct. So 
look, there is an underlying fight here. There may be, uh, I think that there is an opportunity for some Republican to step forward and embrace sort of that libertarian leave-me-alone philosophy that Rand Paul has. But there is also a fundamental disagreement, just as there was with Ron Paul, mm-hmm. over how, what the U.S. should do I, in terms of foreign policy. I, I think it's a little unfair for him, and I said this about Jeb Bush. He's his own man. you got to sure. judge him on it as an individual. I understand the dynasty argument. And I understand that people want to tie Rand to his father, um, but whatever. I mean, I, people are going to do what they do. I can't stop them. Uh, no, a couple of, uh, a, let me ask you a couple of questions about the yeah, president. Go. He now made a number of statements that I find unbelievable. Number one, he said he turned America into the most respected country on earth, which is pretty laughable. I don't believe in divisive racial politics, he said. And then Obama to Axelrod, according to the Daily Caller, He once told him that he finds it particularly disturbing when people accuse him of being anti-Semitic because, quote, I'm the closest thing to a Jew that has ever sat in this office. Yeah, they got brought up a little at the White House briefing today. We didn't get uh, uh, it wasn't really directly answered, if I remember correctly, by Josh Ernest. But look, I I think these two parties, this reminds me of uh, where we were at the end of the Reagan years, where we were at the end of the Clinton years, where we were at the end of the Bush years. Right now, we have two uh, parties that look at this current president in fundamentally different ways. And it'll be repeated ad nauseum for the next uh, 16 months as we go to the next election. So. I, I don't know. I, I, I look at it as all part and parcel of the big battle we're going to have over which side and which uh, whether whether it's Republican or Democrat who wins this next time. Did you see the comments by Joe Lieberman? He went out there and predicted that Congress will reject any nuclear deal that Obama makes with its partners, the P5 plus one group negotiating with Iran. He said, uh, assuming an agreement is reached reach with Tehran and assuming it's as bad as I believe it to be, I believe Congress will reject that agreement. Well, look, uh, the the story in the New York Times today about the Iranians seemingly pushing ahead with their nuclear program and what seems to be a, you know, a violation of where they what they said they would do. Stories like that certainly do not help the administration at this time. And uh, I guess what? We've got another 28 days to see if they can come up and hammer out this agreement and then get it to the Congress next month. Well, of course, the Iranians say that they're not going to make that deadline. The Wall Street Journal had a piece today that top-level Obama administration envoys met secretly last week with the Iranian-backed Yemeni rebels uh, and pressed for a ceasefire in the release of Americans that are detained by that group. Now, we heard that as many as four were being held and I think one was released. One was released is the word we got, yeah, and uh, and uh, so we have, we'll have to see what happens with the others. So but Americans you would are ha- being held hostage. Uh, that's, that's what it seems like, yes, exactly. And, and Yemen was one of the countries that the president said he pointed to as a great benchmark of his terrorist programs working. He and, certainly has, and I think there'd be a lot of Republicans who would disagree with that assessment right now. Yeah. Um, bad poll numbers for Hillary Clinton all across the board, ABC News, Washington Post, uh, CNN, the one metric that really stands out to me, and I think it, at this point, polls probably don't matter a whole lot, but I think this one matters on honesty and trustworthiness. She's way upside down, 57 percent. And the CNN polls say they view her as dishonest and untrustworthy. And yet the only thing I would note is that nobody really has jumped up to get any nearer to her in terms of the numbers on the Democratic side. Now, we've seen a lot of big crowds for uh, Bernie Sanders out in Iowa. Yeah, and that's some surprising, in- right? You know, it, well, his to poll me, numbers doubled. They went from four to eight percent. Well, last four to eight. Poll. Okay. Now, if if we well, start I'm, getting I'm in not, the twenties or thirties, then that's yeah, a different I'm, I'm story. I'm not saying it's a huge jump, but doubling is a doubling. It is what it is. 
You know, one interesting thing on the election front uh, for Rand Paul, this is a big plus for him, is that the legislature in Nevada did not vote to switch away from a caucus and to start a primary election in 2016. And that's probably very good news for Rand Paul, yeah. and maybe not so good news for Jeb Bush. So something that did not why happen is, in the Explain why that would be the case, why well, a caucus would favor people, him. I mean, you go back to his dad, and, and, and you know his supporters were very energized in those caucus states and were able to get out there. And, and the thought was switching away from that into a primary would hurt Rand Paul. Now he's got a chance to, you know, maybe forge a, uh, uh, you know, a possibility of a win in a state like that, or at least doing very, very well in the Silver State next year. Well, I can tell you when I was at CPAC, I did go to a, a Rand Paul event. It was actually a pretty funny event because he started to interview me. But there was a very distinct difference in the crowds that you normally see uh, at these political events, and the crowd was decidedly younger than what you see at some of the other candidates' events. No, so, and in, in the big the big thing for for Rand Paul, you know, he I went to covered a lot of his father's events, and there were always lots of people there, and there was always lots of interest, but it didn't always translate on a, a Tuesday voting day, and that'll be the the big difference here for Rand Paul. Can he get those people to really show up and actually vote? Yeah, well, it's gonna be uh, it's a long we're a long way off, but it's really gonna come fast and furious. Yes, it is. No pun intended. All right, Jamie Dupree in Washington. Thank you for being with us. See you, Sean. All right, when we come back, we're going to get to the bottom of all of this, balancing national security and civil liberties. We'll talk to the author of the Patriot Act and the USA Freedom Act, Congressman uh, Jim Sensenbrenner of Wisconsin. Also, Brian Finch is a cybersecurity expert. He will join us. And that's coming up next at the top of the next hour. Is the Ferguson effect real? We have people that are going to debate that. Hey, let me talk about security here and your security and your identity. Um, well, what puts your identity at risk? Well, get this. If you swipe your debit card at a gas station, well, identity thieves can place skimming devices on the payment terminals, meaning they can steal your identity right there. Uh, if you use a public Wi-Fi, identity thieves are known to set up shop around Wi-Fi hotspots, hoping to cash in on your personal information. LifeLock reminds us, by the way, if you go to a, do online banking or go to a doctor, Banks and health insurers can be susceptible to breaches of your private information. Now, listen, don't stop living your life. You don't need to stop. But what you do need to do is get LifeLock Ultimate Plus. This is a new age we are living in. LifeLock Ultimate Plus protects your good name, your credit, your Social Security number, your bank, retirement accounts, your credit cards, even the equity in your home. LifeLock Ultimate Plus, the most comprehensive security that you'll find anywhere. I mean, it's just that important. You want to stop all identity theft. Anyway, just go to lifelock.com slash Hannity. Use the promo code Hannity. You save 10% on your LifeLock Ultimate Plus membership. They have a toll-free number. It's 800-440-4836. 800-440-4836. 800 for lifelock.com. Who the hell are you? You know. Now, say my name. Sean Hannity. You're damn right. And this is the Sean Hannity Show. News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call. Click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones 
who get it done.